Saturday, September 25th here in Draft Shark Studios remote this week. I'm in the Long Beach area of New York. Welcome to our week three DraftKings podcast. I'm your host, Matt Shop. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And this podcast is sponsored by our partners at Fanshare Sports. Fanshare curates hundreds of pieces of daily fantasy sports-related articles, tweets, and podcasts to create the most accurate ownership projections in the industry. Those projections can be found in the lineup generator on DraftSharks.com and you can find up-to-date ownership info anytime at fansharesports.com. Jared, as I mentioned, I'm out of town for a family wedding on Long Island this weekend, but we all still have DFS lineups to set. We've got decisions to make, so the show must go on. It, it might sound weird. I have no idea. Does it sound weird with me in this conference room of a Ramada? <laughs> it sounds like our podcast used to sound like 10 years ago. You know, We're, <laughs> we're, like, we're stepping back into like the mid-2000s here, but it's, it's all good. To me, it feels like I'm sitting in a 10-gallon drum right now, and I can just hear my picks reverberating. So let's hope that they're good ones so I don't hear bad picks going over and over again in my head. But we'll jump into it, Jared. Why don't you give me a cash QB to kick us off? Yeah, I'm playing Justin Fields in cash on DraftKings, 5200 bucks. And you know, to me, when you get a quarterback with rushing upside like this for 5200 bucks, I mean, it's almost a no-brainer. The only, to me, the only argument against Fields in cash this week is there's really – no one you're excited to pay up for, or at least I'm not. Um, so it's possible to, you know, build with the, the more expensive guys, a Kyler Murray, a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen even. Um, but I, I'm playing fields again. I, I I think he might end up being like a Jalen Hurts type producer right away where the passing might be iffy from week to week. But I mean, fields might be giving us 50 to 80 rushing yards every game with, you know, a good chance at a touchdown. So for, for cash, I, I think he's a, a safe play when he's, you know, down in the low 5,000s. I'm very curious to see how much he ends up running. And it's nice to have fields at 5,200 so we at least aren't all that tempted by Daniel Jones at 5,800. Because if you're tempted by Jones, just go ahead and play fields. He's also got better guys around him at this point, even just with Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney, considering the injuries on the Giants offense. I think I'm more likely to settle on Kirk Cousins at 6,300 against Seattle. I think you can stack him with either Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen, or you can play him naked in cash lineups and playing him naked probably makes Kirk Cousins uh, feel embarrassed when you say stuff like that. But I think it works here because then you don't have to pick either of those wideouts for a cash lineup. You can get all the upside no matter who he throws to. QB 12 and QB 8 finishes for Kirk Cousins through two weeks so far. He hit the 300-yard bonus back in week one. I think there's some shootout potential to Minnesota and Seattle. And then Matthew Stafford, Justin Herbert are kind of in the same range they're within $200 of Kirk Cousins probably going to be a little bit more popular I mean all of those guys I think are fine as long as the lineup build makes sense for you in cash yeah you know to me the the concern with Cousins is always you're going to get one of those like 25 pass attempt games but especially with Delvin Cook's ankle injury I think that makes it safer that you know Minnesota probably leans a bit more on the pass even in neutral scripts on, uh, on Sunday and I also have a hard time imagining Minnesota running away from Seattle in this game. So yeah. I think we'll get at least like 30 to 32. And 32, I believe, was what he hit for pass attempts last week and did just fine passing. So I think for, for Cash, maybe not the ultimate ceiling, but for Cash, I think he's uh, decently safe. On the tourney side, I know you already talked about Justin Fields, Jared, but is he really going to be in the mid-single digits in ownership on DraftKings yeah. this week? Because that's a projection. That's a little surprising. I mean uh... – 
quarterbacks never get super popular, but I would have guessed like 10 to 12% for fields. We'll see. I mean, there's just, there's so many strong quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think people would prefer to, you know, get one of those elite guys, especially in tournaments where, you know, you want the upside. So fields is definitely in play for me for tournaments at that ownership. Um, Allen Robinson, I don't have it written down, but he's cheap. I think he's in the low six thousands. You know, that's a cheap stack right there with plenty of upside. So I think that's interesting. Um, you mentioned Justin Herbert. I'm going back to him in tournaments for sure. Um, and he, he, he's playing well. He's 11th in PFF passing grades. He's thrown for over 330 yards in both games so far. Just has two touchdowns, though. That's been the problem. He's sitting on a 2.3% touchdown rate. He was up at 5.2% last year, which is like, you know, just slightly above league average. So he, he's like throwing touchdowns at like half of league average pace right now. That's going to come up. This Chargers offense so far has been fast-paced. It's been pass-heavy. This should be a shootout, obviously, against the Chiefs. They're going to have to score to keep up. The Chiefs are going to be missing, very likely, defensive end Frank Clark. Chris Jones is questionable. One of their cornerbacks is questionable. So, you know, an already shaky defense looks even shakier heading into this matchup with the Chargers. And on top of that, we've got Keenan Allen at $6,600 for the stack. He's down $300 versus his season opening price, down $400 from last week, despite hitting the 100-yard bonus in each game so far. And we've got Mike Williams at 6400 He's at lower ownership if you just want to be off of Keenan Allen's ownership level. You could play both of them in a lineup. You've got Jared Cook at 3900 as an option. You've got Austin Eckler at 7200 Normally, we wouldn't look to stack a quarterback and a running back, but Eckler caught nine balls last week. So he's one of those few guys that you could stack at that position with Justin Herbert. And his ownership projection right now is just 15%, which obviously isn't super low. But for a high upside running back, that's definitely a reasonable ownership rate in a large tournament field. So I really like Justin Herbert this week as well. Going back to Justin Fields, I mean, I can remember people being excited on DraftKings for like Kevin Hogan at 4800 bucks or somewhere in that range. Basically any week that there is this running quarterback in that 5K or less range, people get excited. That's why I'm surprised this week that there's not a little bit more love for Justin Fields at 5200 bucks, an early first round pick. And you alluded to it, Allen Robinson is only $6,200. He's currently projected under 5% ownership. Darnell Mooney, 4300 bucks, even more affordable. He's also projected down in that range for ownership. So you could grab either of those guys, both of them, or neither. You could just play Justin Fields because he's a cheap quarterback with high upside and play no other Bears with him because we don't know the target distribution yet. It's entirely possible that Justin Fields has a good game and brings neither of those wideouts with him. So overall, I think there's, there's so much you can do with Fields, plus the extra spending power that his salary gives you. It's it's very easy to get excited about him right here. I can understand season-long apprehension. You know, what if he has a bad game? But what if he has a bad game here? Okay, you have a down week with your tournament lineups. It's not like he's a scrub passer either. Like, you know, he was a very impressive passer in college, has all the tools you could ask for, has the weapons as you've been talking about. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to be on fields if he's – I kind of assumed he was going to be one of, if not the chalkiest quarterbacks. That's what I was assuming. I, I checked his ownership rate on our site. I was like, oh, wait a second. Is that true? And I checked on Fanshare specifically. And I was like, ah, same there. So uh, it, apparently people just aren't as excited as I thought they would be. So I, I am. Yeah. Let's, let's stop talking about him then. That's right. Over a running back, what do you like for cash? 
Yeah, you mentioned Austin Eckler. I'm going to play him in cash. I'm going to play him in tournaments. Um, you know, he, he, I, I think he was limited a bit by that hamstring in week one, but in week two, he played 63% of the snaps. He got nine of the 14 running back carries. And as you said, had those nine targets. He even, he even converted a two point try in that game, which is kind of further confirmation from what we saw in week one that he's going to get some or, or, you know, most of those goal line looks this season, which hadn't been the case under the previous coaching staff. So that obviously gives him a much higher weekly, weekly ceiling. If he's getting those touchdown chances, um, awesome matchup here against the chiefs. The chiefs are 32nd in football outsiders run defense rankings. They're 27th in football outsiders running back coverage ranking. So Eckler has upside on the ground and in the passing game in this matchup. Yeah. They're still without what they thought was going to be their top linebacker, Willie Gay Jr. Coming into the season. And not only are they last in football outsiders run defense rankings, they're last by a wide margin. There's a lot of space in those ratings between the Chiefs and the next one, which is Houston. So I certainly agree with that. Mike Davis and I are just going to have a weird relationship all season. We're not going to make eye contact when we're walking past each other in the hallway, but there's respect at this point. He's down to 5,100 on DraftKings, which puts him definitely in cash consideration for me. So far, he's had two... I would say lackluster fantasy outings. And even those two gave him 10.2 and 13.3 DK points. Each of those is at least 2X value on his salary this week. And he lost some yardage in week one to penalties. So that could have been better. This is probably the best matchup he has faced so far against the Giants. He's seen 13 targets through two games. So he's getting those higher value touches, even if the running doesn't come around. He's already down $300 from his season opening price because he hasn't done anything uh, special so far. And Cordero Patterson is the buzzy guy because of what he did last week, kind of lucking into a couple of touchdowns. Mike Davis still played about twice as many snaps. So he's still the better bet for touches in that Atlanta, in that Atlanta backfield. I just think Mike Davis is a solid bet for PPR floor at an attractive price. And then, I mean, if he happens to find the end zone, in a matchup that certainly helps the chances of doing so big boost at the price you're paying to get him. Yeah, I agree. Good value for the uh, projected volume there. Do, do you prefer Mike Davis to Clyde Edwards Alaire though? $4,800. I think I do because of the targets that he's getting. Yeah. Yeah. That, that the CEH price is like DraftKings is just like daring you to play him. I, I think I'm going to end up playing him in cash. The, the production and the usage has been underwhelming, but it hasn't been, $4,800 underwhelming, and it's still the Chiefs offense. They have the highest implied total of the week. Chargers run defense is not good, so it's a good spot for CEH. So I'm going to end up playing him, uh, Everett's Alaire in cash. Probably not in tournaments, assuming he's going to be popular, though. Yeah, that's the other thing is ownership. It doesn't generally matter. If you're doing heads-to-heads, it doesn't matter, head-to-heads. Um, but if it's like a larger field 50-50, I think another mark in Davis's favor is that if there's, you know, 15 to 20 to more percent playing CEH and somewhere less than 10 playing Mike Davis, I don't think there's a huge difference between those guys. I doubt that that 300 bucks between them is going to wind up making a huge difference for me. Yeah, that's fair. On the tourney side, would you like a running back? I like DeAndre Swift. Um, I, I like this Lions-Ravens game. I'm going to be stacking. I'm, I'm going to play like a Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews stack and have Swift as the run back. Um, yep, Swift was underwhelming fantasy point wise in week two, but I mean, just look back to week one, he scored 24.4 at DraftKings points, you know, has a big role in this passing game. Ravens defense had already been dealing with a ton of injuries. Now they sent four guys, four front seven guys to the COVID list on Friday. So this is not a scary matchup. I I actually think Detroit's offense is going to have some success at home in this game. Yeah. And so Deandre Swift, I, he's the guy I have down as well. 
He's already down $1,200 in salary versus last week, $1,100 versus week one. I'm not really sure where that dip came from because since they played Monday night last week, those salaries were set before that game happened. And his week one game was better for usage than his week two game was. So I, I'm really not sure what the how, how the algorithm did that with DeAndre Swift's numbers. But I, I agree that you have to like the value on him. 17% target share for two games. He's headed for single-digit ownership here. Uh, it looks like he's fourth in our DK dollars per point projections. Basically, to me, DeAndre Swift is Chase Edmonds, but with a lot less around him in his offense in terms of yeah. – threats on that target share and also better game script for what we want him to do. The Cardinals are seven and a half point favorites. The Lions are seven and a half point underdogs. So it's, it's a great situation for Deandre Swift to get a bunch of targets in this game. Yeah. I noticed Edmonds in there too. Cause like we have, we have Edmonds and Swift projected for like almost the same amount of DK points. They're basically the same price to me. Swift is just such a better player. He's just a guy I want to bet on, especially in tournaments. I want to get those high end talents who I think can have big games for uh, DraftKings tournaments. I agree. Wide receiver, what are you playing for cash? Chris Godwin sticks out to me at $6,100. Um, he, he, even when Antonio Brown is in the lineup, and it looks like he's not going to be this week, even when those three guys are there, Godwin, uh, Evans, and AB, I think Godwin is going to be the most consistent Bucks pass catcher this season. He has the highest route rate among the three. He's leading the three in targets so far, 18 targets through two games. But then, you know, if Antonio Brown's out, that yeah, that just condenses this target tree. In, in a passing game, we obviously want to get pieces of. Um, the matchup isn't ideal against the Rams. I think Gobbin's going to see a decent amount of Jalen Ramsey, but I, I don't think any defense right now can, can stop this Bucks passing game. And I don't think that Godwin's going to face a Jalen Ramsey shadow either, so I think he'll be moved around and not face him all right. game. I think there are a good number of options up in that mid to high range salary-wise at wide receiver. So I'm looking a little bit lower to see maybe what can help me fit the other things I want. Several guys stand out to me. K.J. Osborne all the way down at 3,500 still. Um, he has delivered each of the past two weeks numbers that would help us, and yet still down at 3,500. So an easy bet. He could be a cash stack with Kirk Cousins even if you don't want to play one of the higher-priced wide receivers. There's really no risk to putting him in there. And I think that you can play Osborne even without Kirk Cousins. Hunter Renfro at 4000 bucks, a little bit more expensive, but still some salary savings there. He only trails Darren Waller among Raiders in targets so far. 16 targets through two games. 17% share, not really as high as we would like to see. Doesn't quite make him a real number one receiver, but he's their lead receiver in terms of targets through two games. So tough to argue with that at 4000 bucks. Also, the Dolphins have been a little bit more susceptible in the slot lately, uh, as opposed to outside, because outside they have Byron Jones and Xavier Howard at cornerback. And then if you don't want to reach all the way down to either of those guys, Tyler Boyd at 4,700 bucks, I think is attractive for cash. I don't think he really has the ceiling to appeal in a tournament lineup, but I think he's a fairly good bet for targets in this game. He left the second meeting with the Steelers last year early. Before that though, Boyd had five plus catches in three of the previous four matchups with Pittsburgh. This week, T. Higgins is doubtful, so we're assuming he's not going to play. Boyd also costs $700 less than Jamar Chase, and he gets a, he gets those higher percentage looks, the better chances of completion. So if both of those guys get seven, eight targets, Tyler Boyd's the better bet to catch five. Pittsburgh's defense has struggled against slot receivers in general for you know a few years now. So I like Boyd in that matchup. Like you said, Higgins out. That frees up a bunch of targets. I mean, Higgins has has led that team in targets so far. So like that call. I'm gonna throw out Keenan Allen too. I I just he's just too cheap for just 
being you know, one of the safest volume bets in the NFL right now, you know, $6,600 full PPR for, for a cash game and tournaments too. I think, I think Allen's just too cheap. Yeah. I'm not sure why his salary is down, but we might as well capitalize on it while it's happening. Yeah. Turning side, what do you like? Yeah. So I like the bills passing game in tournaments. I didn't mention Josh Allen up, up top in the quarterbacks, but um, I, I just, I, I just think that offense is sitting on a big game. Um, it, it's the same offense we saw last year. They're, they're the pass heaviest offense in the NFL so far. They're, they're running at the fastest pace. That's just, that's just exactly what you want, you know, especially for tournaments looking for upside, like a fast paced pass heavy offense. So Josh Allen, um, Stefan Diggs is the obvious stack 21 targets through the first two games leads the team seventh among wide receivers. Now I'm gonna go back to Emmanuel Sanders too, who I played last week. Didn't quite work out, had a long catch early in the game. Just didn't do anything after that. But, um, Sanders $4,200 for you know, a full-time player in that passing game. I think, um, he's a good stack if you're playing Josh Allen. Yeah. I, I certainly can't argue with the upside in that passing game. Uh, when I got home last Sunday from my daughter's soccer game, I was like, oh, 35 nothing Bills. Josh Allen must be having a big day. No, turns out not. It turns out it was Zach Moss. But I agree that it's in there. We'll see if it's this week or if it's next week against Houston. Part of me hopes that it's not this week so that maybe we get lower, lower ownership in that matchup with Houston. But you're not, yeah, you're not going to get low ownership on the Bills versus Houston no matter what they do this week. So I, I hope it's this week before everyone piles on. That's true. That's true. It would be better if it's this week so you can go ahead and capitalize. Because I – I still, you know, I still kind of default to thinking that people will look at last week more than they do at this point. You guys are getting too smart. It's annoying, honestly. <laughs> um, Washington, by the way, not playing as well on defense as we were expecting them to. The, the talent's there. It, this could be a lower scoring game, but it also could not be. Like I said, Washington hasn't been awesome so far. I kind of like, in Detroit, a guy who looks like the Lions' number one receiver and is $3,900 this week. I'm not quite happy enough about him to put him in cash consideration with the other low price players that I mentioned, but Quintez Cephas at $3,900 faces a Ravens defense. that's 23rd in overall defense, according to football outsiders, 24th against the pass. You mentioned COVID issues. They've got injury issues all over the place. Combine that with Cephas. He's looked good so far and he's in a lineup that's missing Tyrell Williams and has basically nothing else at wide out. He's projected at less than 1% ownership by Fanshare right now. So if he does anything of real value, he's going to give you a big boost. If he gets 8 to 10 targets, which I think is possible, not something I would bet on, but I think it's within the range of possible outcomes here, that would be very nice for Quintez Cephas at $3,900. Yeah, he's looked good through two weeks. And he's he's a guy a lot of the, the film guys liked. Like, he didn't have massive college production, didn't test well. He tested poorly, actually. But a lot of the film guys liked him, and it's – Seems like that's kind of coming to fruition. I I think that that Lions Ravens game is the one to attack. I had Marquise Brown written down here too, uh, just fifty six hundred bucks projected at six percent ownership. Has really really been playing well now, dating back to like midway through last season. So I, I like him on the, on the fast turf there in Detroit on Sunday. Yeah, I've got Marquise Brown down for the FanDuel side, so we'll be talking more about him. Jared Goff, I didn't want to bet on for you know, full season lineups in case he has a Jared Goff game. But in this setup, I'm totally willing to try a sneaky Lions stack, especially you're talking Jared Goff, DeAndre Swift, who's not as sneaky, but Quintez Cephas, TJ Hawkinson's not sneaky, but picking, you could pick three of those guys and possibly get it paying off for you, especially against this banged up Ravens team doing the notes for the show. I started liking the idea of Jared Goff much more than I anticipated when I sat down. 
He's the same exact price as just Justin Fields. I don't think I can get my my fingers to, to click the golf button over Fields. He would definitely won't be a primary option or a, an overweight yeah. person in my lineups. But you know, set one of those lineups, and then if he has this huge day, it's cool. <laughs> over to tight end. What do you like for cash? Yeah, it's TJ Hawkinson for me, man. We're we're talking about a lot a lot of lions here. It could, could be an issue, but Hawkinson, I feel good about for sure. I mean. 5,200 bucks. He's $3,000 cheaper than Travis Kelsey. He's um, $2,200 cheaper than Darren Waller. Like usage wise, Hawkinson should be right with those guys at this point. He is second among all tight ends in both targets and air yards behind only Darren Waller. Uh, Hawkinson's ahead of Travis Kelsey in both of those usage metrics. Hawkinson and Kelsey are the only two tight ends with 20 plus DK points in both of the first two games of the season. So his price is going to keep climbing, climbing, climbing. I think, you know, this this might be as cheap as he is for the rest of the season. So I think in cash, he's a very strong value and even you know, worth considering in tournaments too. Yes, I agree. Go ahead and use him this week. I think if the 5,200 doesn't fit with what else you're trying to do, Tyler Higby at 4K versus Tampa Bay this week, certainly a cash option. Also switching over to the tourney side, I think Tyler Higby is in play there. Maybe going to get higher owned than you would like. He's at around 10% projected ownership right now. I think that could climb even a little bit. Um, so if you want to go for something lower owned than Tyler Higby or TJ Hawkinson, I do like Noah Fant and Kyle Pitts at 4,800 and 4,900. Lower ownership than Hawkinson, lower ownership than Mark Andrews at similar prices. Positive matchups for both Fant and Pitts. And I have plenty of talent upside to both of them. You know, there's situations where Maybe they don't happen to get enough targets to pay off like the top guys. But if they do, each of them is a good enough player to capitalize on those opportunities. Yeah, I, I love Higby for tournaments. I kind of thought he'd come in a bit lower owned. Um, but he, he is still, you know, Cooper Cup's going to be the chalk of wide out. And even Robert Woods is getting a lot of ownership. So Higby's still like the lower owned part of that Rams passing game. If you know, if you want to get a lower owned piece of it, and I definitely do. So um, I like Higby down at 4,000 bucks. That's a great price. I mentioned Mark Andrews. Um, I, I still think he's a guy with like double, with like, you know, two touchdown upside in this spot against the lions. Um, and then Gerald Everett, I'll throw out too, is a super cheap option. $3,000. Um, his route rate was up back up around like 75% in week two. And if he's out there running that many routes in this Seahawks passing game with Russell Wilson, I think, you know, Everett has upside, especially considering he's just 3000 bucks. Over to defense, the Bengals at 2100 versus the Steelers lead our DK dollars per point projections. Ben Roethlisberger definitely gives them upside with how he has looked so far. And the Bengals also rank mid-pack in PFF pass rushing grade overall. I mean, you know, that's not a stellar thing, middle of the league, but it's better than most of us would have guessed for the Bengals heading into the season. So I do think that there's upside to them as opposed to just being an option simply because they're at the bottom in salary range. More of my focus, though, will be on the Broncos at 4,300 as long as they fit salary-wise because of that high upside. I think the Raiders are fine at 3,400 because they're playing Jacoby Brissett, but they are also priced up a bit versus how they actually are defense-wise and a bit more popular than they would normally be because of that matchup with Brissett. So I'm also looking at the Patriots at 4,100. Could be sneakier than either the Broncos or the Raiders. Obviously, you still have to pay up a little bit, but they got the Saints. They're projected at 3% ownership, so you're getting a big boost if they do hit for you. I think there's shutout potential in that game against the Saints. So I do think – I think no defense hits this week with a higher ceiling. Some can match it, but I don't think any defense has a higher ceiling this week than the Patriots. 
Yeah, I like all those. They're, they're expensive, so it's going to take some work to fit them in. You, you know I love my cheap defenses in cash, so it's going to be the Bengals for me in cash, 2100 bucks. Uh, like you said, the pass rush has been pretty good. Three sacks in both their games so far, and a decent pass rush against that Steelers offensive line is probably going to do some damage, so I like that. P- Pittsburgh's not going to have Deontay, Deontay Johnson either, which helps. For tournaments, I kind of like the Falcons, who are a horrible defense, but they get Daniel Jones, and they get a Daniel Jones who's going to be like chalky, like, or you know, chalkier than usual. So like if Atlanta gets a couple takeaways, you know, you're you're hurting the Daniel Jones people and getting points for your team. Um, so I kind of like that. They're cheap. They're what are they, 24, 2,500 bucks. So Atlanta's crappy defense, but the matchup is good. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, I can understand liking Daniel Jones this week, but Kenny Galladay is questionable. Evan Ingram is questionable. Even if he plays, he's coming off the injury from the end of the preseason. Saquon Barkley has yet to be Saquon Barkley. So it's entirely possible the Giants are not very good this week. I agree. That'll do it for this week three DraftKings podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to get more player recommendations. If you're a DS Insider, you can check out Jared's cash game picks as well as the top GPP options from Corey Bushland. You can also mess around with our lineup generator to build your own lineups with the help of the DS projections and fan share ownership projections. For more discussion of DFS and other formats, you can also join the free DraftSharks Discord Find the link to do that in the description for this podcast. For Jared Smola and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shaw saying thanks so much for swimming with us.